And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dumps Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, July 15th. I'm J.E. Skeets rolling with the homie there, Taps Mellis. Oh, I just had a flashback of us being in the office hearing that cold open. <laughs> oh, good. Cold open, hot fart. Uh, we got our top shot hot boy, <laughs> Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm. Lee Lee. And finally, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is. Here we are. First things first. Shout out to the stream team for joining us once again live on YouTube. Smash that like button. Leave your comment below the vid to help us defeat the algorithm. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Keep sending in your questions and comments for the next Beach Step in podcast. We hit the beach every week. Email them in, nodunks at theathletic.com. And finally, go grab your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And oh yeah, happy hour tonight. 8 p.m. Eastern, live, back here on YouTube. You know, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, of course, because that's bourbon time, if you will, and I will. I just did. Uh, the happiest hour. No Dunks watch party. What are we watching? Each other. So come join us. <laughs> what are we watching here? Uh, it's always a lot of fun, though. So, uh, yeah, swing through tonight. Set a little reminder. Or, you know what? Just subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube and hit that little, like, bell button they got, and then you'll know when we're live. But classics deserve classics. Zach Lowe, you son of a bitch, talking it into existence. We got a pretty entertaining game there, game four. We're all tied up at two games apiece. You got to love it. Middleton, Giannis, just huge performances down the stretch. There is a lot to talk about from this game, Lily. So where do you want to start with a now best of three NBA Finals? Two huge, huge, huge moments. One good, one bad. And if you're the NBA League office or the NBA Referees Association this morning, you are breathing a sigh of relief because Giannis's block on DeAndre Ayton's oop with just over a minute to go probably did as much to seal the win for Milwaukee last night as Chris Middleton's basket on the following Chris Paul turnover about 30 seconds later did. Because if the Suns had won this game and led the series 3-1, heading back to Phoenix for Game 5, all we would be talking about was the massive missed call on Devin Booker that should have fouled him out with 3.40 to go in the fourth. It was such an obvious call as he wrapped up Drew Holiday with both hands on a layup, almost like he was deliberately trying to foul him. Like, Booker, you know, in that situation, you see players like, I don't want to give up the basket in a finals, but he must have had a little brain fart and forgot that he'd had five fouls. Mike Breen on the call actually said, Holiday fouled by Booker. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't call it. There was a stunned two or three seconds where everyone's like, well, hang on a minute, they can't possibly. That's not a no-call. I mean, Giannis gets the layup. Giannis had already scored by that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, which, again, I think the refs were like, whew, because let's say the Suns <laughs> grab that rebound 
Imagine the sun. Worst case scenario is the Suns grab that rebound, go down, hit a three-pointer or something like that. Yeah. Instead, luckily, Giannis uh, does lay that ball back up and in. Booker stays in the game, and the Suns led at the time. Booker scored, actually, on the on, on two possessions later. He scored later for uh, uh, Phoenix, but then Chris Middleton, who was atop the Ferris wheel last night. Oh, my night, God. So high. <laughs> 40 points. <laughs> he scored 10 of the last 12, including uh, four at the free throw line. The Bucks hang on to win this game and tie this series. But what a massive missed call by the referees. Devin Booker last night was incredible. That third quarter alone, he had 18 points on 7-for-7 shooting. This was an all-time finals performance to the point where I think if the Suns win this game, and we'll get to Trey's finals MVP rankings in a moment, but combined (laughs) with the fact that Chris Paul had a stinker of a game by his standards... Booker might have just vaulted himself into the finals MVP lead last night. It was such an incredible performance. But honestly, um, I I just don't really know. Like that, 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 that missed call was huge. And everyone I think was like, well, the Bucks have to win this game now because if they lose, it's just going to be a conspiracy theorist's uh, wet dream out there. But Giannis came up with a block that, you know, is probably the second most important block in NBA Finals history. I know that's maybe a little bit living Some in the moment here. it's the greatest block in NBA well, Finals history. Well, I mean, I mean the, the, the Bucks were leading at the time still, so he yep. sort of did more to preserve the lead rather than sort of extend it or anything like that. But obviously the other one is LeBron on Iguodala Game 7 there. Uh, the game was tied, I believe, at that point. But Giannis basically was defending uh, the point guard in that play and gets back to block, uh, incredibly block DeAndre, Jordan's, uh, DeAndre Ayton's dunk. I mean, you could almost argue that was goaltending. He was on the way down it was so close to, uh, <laughs> oh, to wow, another that. missed call <laughs> no, but uh the, honestly I, i'm just so happy for the nba world this morning that the bucks were able to come back from a nine point game a six point game at three quarter time which to me felt way bigger way yeah. stronger that and especially after the quarter that Devin booker had, had so uh oh just oh man i i was happy <laughs> For Adam Silver this morning, <laughs> and for the NBA referees, because there's almost no coming back from that. From that, if the uh, if the Suns are going to win that game, but incredible game, great series. This series is alive. Tass, what would you add to uh, to all of that that Lee's uh, presented there with the uh, <laughs> with the incredible block from Giannis, of course, and yes, the Booker foul trouble, and probably should have fouled out, and uh, Middleton coming through. You know, where where do you go to first here this morning? Yeah, it was such a strange game for the Bucks because it felt like, yeah, they should be down 20 points because they kept missing shot after shot after shot. But the thing is, they shot way more than the Phoenix Suns because yep. they just, they win ugly. That's what they do. 12 more offensive rebounds, 12 less turnovers. That means they shot 19 more times. So it felt like this team just keeps missing over and over and over again. And the Suns are shooting over 50%. And they still lose yeah. uh, be, because the, the Bucks won ugly. And Giannis Antetokounmpo was happy to play, you know, second fiddle to the middle, to, to Middleton. He was, happy, he was happy to let Middleton go. When they got in those pick and rolls that they, they kept going to over and over and over again, Giannis mm-hmm. was just, he was just a big man. He was DeAndre Jordan at times. I mean, just setting screens and giving Chris Middleton all the room in the world. And sometimes he didn't get the ball when he demanded it. Uh, but, uh, you know, not to, to ridicule Giannis because he had two 40-point games in a row. And there's only one other human being that's ever done three straight 40-point games in the NBA Finals. And that's MJ, who did it four <laughs> times, bookend it with a couple 30 spots on the other ends against the Suns in 93. So yeah, I think Giannis um, was... 
uh, maybe telling a bit of a fib at the beginning, after the game, you know, when he sat out, when he, he did the same thing again, four, four minutes he played, he came off the, came off the floor. Uh, the game before, he said, I needed a breather. In this game, he said, uh, how do you say it politely? Uh, <laughs> I had to take a tinkle. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think he had to take a tinkle. I think he just needed another breather. I, I just think he couldn't be the, the superhero again uh, scoring. But then that block... Yeah, won the game with a minute 15 left. A minute 15, and we didn't see a replay till after the game. I mean, <laughs> oh, don't yeah. we want so to celebrate? On, I guess. Don't we want to celebrate this incredible play? And that's why nobody gives a crap about defense, because we don't even replay it. They had an opportunity. <laughs> they went to commercial. They'd rather show Chris Paul fall and then a three-on-one the other way. Okay, maybe he didn't have it racked up. That's not an excuse. But anyways, come back from commercial. Where is it? They didn't play it till the post-game interview. That block was an all-time NBA Finals play. Absolutely incredible. I think it was tougher than a LeBron play because he had to pirouette and get back there uh, on DeAndre Ayton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, that one was in Game 7, so that one is still number one in, in terms of its importance. Here, this is a, you know makes it 2-2, two -two, but that, game, that block won it. It was cool. Yanis on defense, <laughs> Middleton on the other end. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Booker just needed CP, uh, and Ooh. CP just, just couldn't do it last night. Yeah, Trey... Well, what do you think? Uh, what do you want to talk about first there? <laughs> you know, Chris Paul, are we going to bury him? We're going to talk about Middleton? Man, I got so many things I want to yeah. talk about. Dwayne and Jana got here last night. Lee, I've got some great Dwayne quotes that I can't wait to run by you eventually. But I think you got to start with the yep. block. What an incredible play. And my favorite description of it comes from Eric Neem, name at The Athletic, who said, a single player should not be able to cover both the alley and the oop mm. in an alley-oop. Yep. And that's exactly what Giannis did, because he steps up on Booker coming across, right? And that's the reason that Booker decides to throw the lob up to Aiton. Giannis does almost a full spin before he gets up to the rim, and he's like, I was just trying to go to the rim. I thought I was going to get dunked on, but good call by this guy. Great instincts. That's exactly where the ball ended up. And man, that was just uh, kind of the definition of Giannis, a defensive play and a super effort play, right? Like, he could have been beaten easily on that play. He said, I had no idea where Aiton was. I just knew he was probably going to be going to the rim. So I went to the rim as well. So I thought that was great. I also thought Marcus Thompson made some really good points uh, about Giannis there in the fourth quarter. All of his big plays were just him playing harder than anybody yeah. else out there on the court. Uh, he had the putback on the no call on Booker. You know, that was awesome to... You know, there's so many players who would just stop and start complaining about the missed call or not be hustling back just because you think there's either going to be a foul or a made layup. Great to just be right on the spot to finish that up and make it so that that wasn't the biggest story in the game. The block, obviously, is a huge effort play. And even on that play where Chris Paul had a turnover, Drew Holiday gets the steal, Giannis pops out to help on the screen and roll, makes Chris Paul have to kind of take a little step back, and then Drew's able to step in and get the steal. Just incredible effort from Giannis which is awesome to see the guy who has had the most impact in the finals also playing the hardest in the fourth quarter. That's cool. Yeah, there are now four sets of opposing players in NBA history to score both 40 in an NBA finals game. It's just an incredible list. It's Shaq and Iverson. Okay, mm -hmm. great one. MJ and Barkley, 93 finals. Okay, makes sense. Jerry West and John Havlicek. And now Chris Middleton <laughs> and Devin Booker. And, and you said it, they... Uh, that Ferris wheel is at the apex, man, and what an unbelievable game. He was like, yes, you're right, the nice pick there from Giannis, space to operate, but Middleton, just those line drive jumpers, man, just like we're going down. And he has now gone for 35-plus points in four games this postseason. 
And when I run through the list here, I mean, these were all incredibly important games. So he has a knack for timing. Game three versus Brooklyn when they're trailing 2-0. He goes for 35 plus. Game six versus Brooklyn when they're trailing 3-2 in the series. Game three versus the Hawks. That one tied 1-1. He has that 20-point fourth quarter. Amazing game. And then now game four versus Phoenix when they're trailing 2-1. Also, he hit the overtime game one winner against Miami back in the first round. Feels like eons ago. And then he had a huge shot in game seven overtime against Brooklyn. Uh, Middleton, Lele, man. Like, that was an awesome, fun performance of Booker and Middleton hitting, just going shot for shot. Uh, basically, against really good defenders. There's a lot of good defenders out here on the floor on both of these teams, and it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter, and uh, that's what we say with Chris Middleton, with that Ferris wheel. You know, this bodes well if this series goes seven because he's likely to have a stinker at least in five or six and then be back atop uh, there for game seven for Milwaukee. But, you know, he hasn't lost faith, and neither has Mike Budenholzer in basically saying, we need you to be able to have to go out there and and produce one or two of these games a series for us because if you do that, we tend to win them, and it puts us in a good position. And so, you know, he's, he's a frustrating guy at times because, again, the shots that he made last... Last night he doesn't really change the way he shoots or plays it's just honestly sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't and last night that's what it was he also got to the free throw line and you know sealed it at the end there mm-hmm. uh made four went seven for eight and remember the first two games of the series i believe he didn't get to the free throw line at all in mm-hmm. those two losses and now he, he's back there again it's in milwaukee there's a, probably a little bit of you know extra uh, home cooking there from the referees because that's the way it goes in the nba but you know he's got to feel pretty confident now going into game five that if he puts up a 25-plus, and I know he had one already in the series and they lost that game, but it just takes so much pressure of Giannis having to do it all. And, uh, you know, Drew Holiday didn't shoot that well last night. I thought he was better than he had been in probably, I guess, the the series. I think it was probably his best all-round game because defensively I thought he was fantastic on Chris Paul. But... Uh, they need that offense from Middleton. They just need it, and if, and he delivered it for them last night. And if he can do that, if he can do that in two more games of this series, honestly, you have to like the Bucks' chances. I think mm-hmm. I really do because uh, it's such a big difference when he is out there hitting those long shots. And 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 again, they're they're not analytically the best shots. Sometimes he's like sometimes you've got a foot on the three point line or just just inside it. But that's his game, and that's his range. He's like you, Skeetsy. He's not the greatest three-point shooter. He likes it. He likes it just to step inside that three-point line. But uh, like it is with you, it's most of the time it's cash. Don't ever you fucking compare me to Chris Middleton again, okay? That's like even the after biggest, even, this morning, even this yeah, morning, even this morning, even this morning, even this morning. No, yeah. no, he was amazing. he was amazing. It was awesome. Like I was loving it. You know, Middleton and Booker just shot for shot. Like I said, Booker bouncing back from the ten in Game Three for forty-two. What did you think, Tass, about how Monty Williams played it? with Booker getting in foul trouble. Uh, you know, there was four, then there was five, and, and he took him off at times, but then went back to, like, did, you know, he was in a tough spot, and he sort of, like, I guess was proven to be correct. Like, you can't sometimes just run with a guy in a bunch of fouls because he should have fouled out, but didn't. Uh, anyway, what did you think of how Monty had to deal with Booker's foul trouble there in the second half when he, when he was cooking? Well, as a fan, it was tough to watch, uh, watching him, you know, sit on the bench while uh, his team is out there in the fourth quarter. He's scorching hot. But at the same time, he came back. The Suns had a lead and they just couldn't close it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, Chris Middleton outscored the Suns 10-2 over the last few minutes, but that's what it came down to. Uh, I mean, Booker should have fouled out three times. <laughs> so, uh, really, I mean, really, he did. He, did. Uh, he, he, he forgot that he had 
uh, five fouls multiple times. I forgot that he had four fouls. Uh, you know, the, and he he almost had a clear path when he grabbed Giannis for uh, I believe that was his fourth foul. I mean, that was uh, it was a strange strange D book. Like he was getting after it defensively, but kudos to Boonholzer for going after him. They had a chance to win at the end of this game, uh, and, and they couldn't. They really just couldn't execute the the play where Booker fouls Holiday for what should have been his sixth foul. I think is just it's emblematic. It's a symbol of what. Uh, has gotten the Bucks back into this series. Miss a shot. Bucks are missing a lot of shots. Uh, and then a rebound <laughs> yeah. to put it back in. And that's, I don't know if it's a scary thing for the Suns going into game five or, you know, something that they can mentally say, oh, we can work on that. They're, we're just getting outworked for two straight games to get beat on the defensive glass like that over and over and over again. Is that something you can fight back from? Or is that, I mean, that's something you could definitely look at the ledger and say, man, we can't give up 12 offensive rebounds like that. We can't turn it over 12 more times. So is that something that they could fix? Uh, I mean, because that's what really what it was. I mean, yeah. this was an ugly game that that was beautified by two dudes scoring over and over and over again. If it wasn't for Booker and Middleton, this would have been, uh, uh, you know, uh, like one of those game seven ugly playoff series. But uh, ugly playoff ends to a series, but this was uh, it was a show from those two dudes, and, and I know Booker's not getting the credit. Uh, I'm not getting a, a lot of the attention because Chris Middleton stole it from him, uh, but he's now got the most points in a first playoff appearance ever, 542. That's that's frick, pretty pretty impressive for a mm-hmm. guy that you know people question. Yeah, is he just a point getter? Is he you know does he just get points on a trash team? Uh, well, he came out obviously and showed it, and, and he was way more efficient. He was he was seventeen of twenty eight, and this is sort of another you know sign of what's going on in the series compared to Chris Middleton, who took more shots and hit less shots, but they still win uh, because they're they're just grinding it out, and uh, you know the. Another symbol of this series, what could be an ugly symbol of the series, is Chris Paul slipping there when, uh, yeah, Middleton scores on one end, and then we go back the other way, get a block, and then uh, CP just uh, he just fell. There's nothing. There's nothing else <laughs> yeah. to say, uh, and he's and he's turning over the ball a lot. So that's something he can fix. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Obviously, the Bucks have the momentum. It seems like they they've got the fight. Uh, and they get better as series go on. And uh, I think Giannis is, is going to be a bigger presence in Game 5. Yeah, let's talk about Chris Paul, TK. This was, this was bad. This was, was very bad. I mean, those unforced ones late, you know, the slippage one, but other ones in this game too. He, I went and looked at every turnover this morning like I was John Schumann. And of the 17, 11 were live ball variety. You know, some of those Chris Paul, some other guys. The defense is great from the Bucs. They're, they're gritty. They're great on that end. But there were some ugly-ass passes from the Suns. Getting caught in the air a couple times. Couldn't even inbound it a couple times. Uh, you know, you go back and watch the tape, and you're like, oh, God, we maybe, we maybe did give this away. Uh, and then, yeah, Chris Paul not being able to come through in the clutch was pretty rough to watch. Yeah, I remember the question after Game 2 you had for me was, did the Bucks waste a great one from Giannis? Because, you know, he had yeah, whatever, yeah. 42 and 13, but they still took the loss. Feels very similar with uh, the Suns yeah. and Devin Booker last night. And the Chris Paul stuff is weird. They even said it on the broadcast. Have you ever seen Chris Paul be this careless with the ball? I think he had like a behind-the-back pass through the lane that nobody could uh, get the ball. And just a turnover right there. To me, he just mm-hmm. looks a little more tentative right now. I know he likes to play the game where... You're getting uh, everybody else involved for the first few quarters. You know, let Booker cook when he's cooking. 
and then take over when you need to. But it, to me, it's coming off a little tentative and a little bit like he's playing more so not to lose these games than to win these games and going out and being the Chris Paul that we saw in like game six against the Clippers where he's looking to go out there 31 in the second half, put an end to this. You didn't get that feel from Chris Paul in game three or game four. Meanwhile, the Bucks clearly raised their level of compete and intensity. And now the Suns are going to have to hit back again. You know, they hit first. It looked like, okay, we've set the tone here. The Bucks raised the tone to another level. So game five, it's on the Suns to come out and figure a way to be the most physical team. You know, Jay Crowder, no surprise, was going crazy with the flops in the fourth quarter, trying to sell all kinds of foul calls. An incredible foul call. I think he got it on P.J. Tucker, right? Where Tucker, like, just gave him a little touch, and Jay Crowder ran the entire length of the court like he got knocked over. It was actually Connaughton, now that I'm thinking about it. But, I don't know, it just seems to me that the Suns need a little bit more oomph. They thought they had this thing won after two games, but clearly the Bucks have bounced back and been resilient, just like they have for the entirety of the playoffs. Now the Suns got to figure out where they get their intensity from. Yeah, this is the best part, was that as these series go on, Lee, it's like, Everybody knows each other's plays. The sets are memorized. Uh, you know, some adjustments have been made. You, you start running out of those. And the intensity just gets cranked to the max. You know, look, the officials were, they're sort of all over the place, as we've talked about. Missed some, like, blatant calls. And maybe there's some other ones you're like, what? Was that a foul? But, like, they let them play last night. It really did feel like, a, like maybe, to, maybe to an extreme. But we'll see what type of the official crews or crew we get on Game 5. But th- this is what makes it so exciting. It's like... There's not many other things to do except just play, you know, who's got, who wants it a little <laughs> bit more and is just going to, you know, execute because they know what everybody's trying to do at this point. I love that. Yeah, and, and someone is going to step up, you think, and just sort of yeah. fill in that gap and have one of those games where it's like, wow, this guy did it in game five, whether that's for Phoenix or for, or for the Bucks, because uh, Bridges last night was pretty quiet. In fact, he was pretty quiet in both games yeah. in, in Milwaukee, but he was fantastic in Phoenix. So now he goes home, he's going to have that crowd behind him. Does he have a, a bit of a breakout? I thought Cam Johnson was, again, good last night uh, for the Suns. So, you know, when you have home court advantage in this situation, obviously that's in your favor and and. and Phoenix have been fantastic at home uh, during the entire playoff. So it certainly is still tilted in their favor. But if you are Budenholzer in the Bucks, you've got to be like, man, we, you know, we, we've seen now that get DeAndre Ayton in foul trouble and maybe that gives a huge advantage to Giannis inside. And then when Ayton is out on the court, there's other guys who can step up for us and deliver. We just need to see sort of two of those things happen in the one game because if the Bucks can steal game five, uh, I mean, that's just that's just going to be huge for them, you know, to get a chance to close out the series at home. I think, obviously, if it goes to seven, uh, statistically, historically, all those sorts of things go back to Phoenix's favor. But uh, Milwaukee must feel that, you know, because the first two games, game one, I guess, wasn't all that close. Game two, the Bucks were better. So they know they can win out there. They've just got to be able to sort of keep it together for four quarters and, uh, and, and hang on because, uh, you know, they look, they look dead against the Brooklyn Nets and they managed to just drag that one out. They won that with the Game 7 on the road. So the Bucks have been there before. They, they've looked pretty bad at times but been able to just figure it out in, uh, in playoff series prior to this. So uh, have they got another one in them? There's no 
injury concerns to uh, to anyone really on any teams. I mean, obviously, DiVincenzo, but he hasn't played uh, really for the entire players for them. So there's no excuses. They're both tired. They're both, you know, I mean, the fatigue is probably playing a bit of a factor with someone like Chris Paul. You know, maybe maybe that's it. It's, it's, it's a long playoff series, long season. Maybe that's catching up with them. So who can survive and hang on there? Uh, this is great, though. I love it. I really don't know which way it's going to go. I honestly don't. I, I can make a strong case for both teams. Um Game five is going to be very pivotal. Saturday night game five, too. (laughs) You know, it feels rare to get the Saturday night NBA Finals game test. I I guess it happens in years prior, but I don't know. Does it? (laughs) It always feels like it's on a Sunday usually, but yeah, it seems weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. Why don't we jump on right after the game? Ooh. Are you crazies? Oh, Who's yeah. feeling crazy? Yeah, we might have to do that. A little Saturday yeah. night post-game five uh, no dunks, or at least maybe Sunday morning. We'll figure that out. That's yeah. a good call. Yeah. We can't wait till Monday. That's too long. Uh, no okay. way. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you, you, there's a hilarious clip. You mentioned the guys who are injured. Dario Sarge still injured. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. if, if you watch Monty Williams uh, post-game, he tries to rally the guys, and he's looking at the box score, and he's saying, they had 12 more offensive rebounds than us. We turned it over 12 more times. That's what we got to do. Dario Sarge's in the background in his yellow jumpsuit or whatever he is with, with a lot of head nods, yeah, a lot of, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very, very funny clip. He's also head, nodding his head at totally the wrong time. It doesn't really make sense when, when he's nodding his head, but it's a great clip to watch. Uh, and, and that's, that's I understand what Monty Williams is saying. It's it's really, it's a fight level when, when, you, when you look at the box score for sure. As I've said, you know, the offensive rebounds, two games in a row that's that's something that should have been co- uh, correctable from game three to game four that didn't happen I think part of that was DeAndre Ayton was a little bit worried to get into foul trouble mm. when he was in the post offensively he didn't want to ram into guys and he was just kind of flicking up shots and, mm-hmm. and uh, when when all said and done although he had 17 boards you know he's three of nine and, and he could have been a bit more of an offensive force he got called for a terrible uh, call, I think, that his first uh, foul. Yanis went right into his chest. I guess it was more of his left pectoral, but, I mean, he really took it on the chest. I mean, I, I don't know what else he could do. Right. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I think there was, a, there was just a bit of a lack of fight from, from DeAndre Ayton. Something going on with Chris Paul there where he's, uh, I think Trey put it pretty well, like he's just playing not to lose. Uh, and, and those couple guys, I mean, really were the difference. And then um, – and then – yeah, the Bucks just just gobbled up the boards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they when you're the Suns and you hit over half your shots, you got to be feeling pretty freaking good. Yeah. And it wasn't like the other team out three you. I mean, they hit the same amount of threes, uh, but they went to the free throw line more, offensive rebounds, and they turned it over less. And that's yeah, that's, it's just that's a math CP3 problem there. Thing. Yeah, you're just yeah. getting and, too, and yeah, too just chances. grinding. Where are we grinding here? I mean, maybe going home helps, um, but that's that's got to be uh, what the Suns are looking at it's just you know take it they're gonna you know ride the ride the crowd and not allow the guys to get on the offensive glass if they're gonna win that's 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 all they got to do yeah yeah try and take care of the glass and stop turning the ball over because the bucks score basically every time in transition you're doing a decent job of slowing the bucks when you're in a half court set like you're doing okay but yeah they almost score every single time in a fast break and again there were a lot of live ball ugly ass turnovers so tk let's go back to you here what are the, uh, the NBA Finals MVP power rankings after four games now? now? Now now we got Middleton in the mix. Now it gets really confusing, I think. It's really confusing right now. We've had a major change in the rankings here. Skeets atop <laughs> okay. the rankings. A clear-cut number one, Giannis Antetokounmpo. After game three, I had him as a 1B to Chris Paul, but that right. was just because... 
The Suns were still leading the series at that point. So Giannis obviously has to go uh, into the number one slot with his performances and this iconic finals moment. And now I think we're in a a three-way tie, perhaps, for the second spot. I got Devin Booker as 2A, Chris Paul as 2B, and Chris Middleton as 2C. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, still, uh, giving, I'm still, uh, still hanging around here. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's very tough to see how Middleton could 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 pull this away from Giannis if the Bucks win. Right. I mean, he, he was good, but Giannis, the couple of forty pointers. You think Giannis has got another monster game in him last night? But it's great to just get caught up in the moments. I mean, if, let's <laughs> say Middleton has two more forty point performances, maybe he can steal it. That'd be fantastic. But. Uh, Giannis, I mean, you know, had another great game last night, but just, just it was kind of a, you know, byline to so many other, you know, moments and stories from the game that his actual game didn't sort of jump at him. But then when you put up 40 and 14 regularly, you know, a, uh, what did he finish, 26 last night? Mm-hmm, something like that. You know, he nearly quite, had a triple-double. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah just, uh, just a lazy triple-double. And, and the defense. And, yeah. the, oh, and the play, yeah. that helps. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and, but, you know, uh, you know, just showing some love to a couple other Bucks players, Pat Connington hit huge shots in this game, too. He got another bang from Breen. Um, I think, what, he had, like, did he hit three threes? I don't have the box score in front of yeah. me, but, uh, yeah, like, good. you need every one of those, and... Yeah. The, the benches good, are so short. He played a ton of minutes in this. Yeah, mm, couple of good rebounds again. Yeah, and uh, brought that up on the broadcast. He he he's done this. He did that against the Hawks series as well. He he, mm-hmm. he grabs some timely rebounds. He he sort of seems to know where to go at crucial moments and get those rebounds. And that is uh, that's huge to keep possession for your team. You know, in in those moments. So uh, well done to him. He could have been the most athletic baseball pitcher in the history of baseball. <laughs> the way wow. he gets up. I mean, he, he could have snagged some liners on the mound. Man. <laughs> Would have been nice. Uh, I thought he was a volleyball guy, but he's he's a baseball guy. Like the way the way he jumps, I was thinking Chase Bunninger. But yeah, just getting the white guys mixed up. <laughs> um, I actually buried the lead from this game uh, because last night something incredible happened. Uh, a, a fan of the show, I'm assuming, a No Dunks fan, Blake. We did a lot of player prop bets yesterday. Game four preview. You know, we've been doing that sort of a new thing, a little wrinkle we've added. These weird <laughs> prop bets where we don't actually bet on them, but we just throw them out there. Well, someone took basically, oh, not all of them, but almost all of the player prop bets, player prop bets that we made yesterday, put them all together, did a crazy parlay, and Blake coming through puts 50 bucks on this. Look at that payday, 750. I'm talking about Giannis, under 34 and a half points. Yeah, I think that was a, a TK special, was it not? That's right. There's that Blake was, uh, that was my Cam go. Stewart. My Cam Stewart parlay under Giannis over Middleton. That's right. That's right. There it is. <laughs> so, yeah, Chris Middleton did easy over 24 and a half points. We had the Bucks winning. I think that was uh, part of Lee's weird yeah. you know, parlay. He, he left out the one that he wisely should have, uh, first basket. Pat Connington, I think this was Utah's. Um, over one and a half threes. Yep, hit three like we said. And then also Tass saying, hey, look, look, the numbers say the Suns are really good after a loss in the first half. Hit that. And he did. <laughs> look at this, Blake. The first half 50 bucks spread. into 750. Make sure you buy a t-shirt if you have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> up bar looking good. Gonna be at a swim up bar with that money. Incredible. Yeah, Incredible. But yeah. he, he didn't, uh, he wisely kept out your... Um, 
your first basket well, made there, Lee. Yeah, that was it. Was Booker? I had Crowder. So it was the Suns. It just uh, <laughs> it just wasn't it just wasn't the guy. So close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the Suns' first basket. Bucks win. So yeah. Anyway, you can't hit them all, but I'm glad he, he decided to uh, trim that part of the uh, parlay out. Still collected, very handsome. Incredible, incredible stuff there from Blake. Congratulations. Uh, we'll really get into our Game 5 preview. You know, maybe some adjustments, final adjustments to be made. What will happen in this game? We'll do some more player prop bets for Saturday night's game. But are there any other notes uh, from this really entertaining game, task that you wanted to throw in here? Hmm. Uh, nothing jumping out at me. I just, uh, watching the Bucks go pick and roll with Giannis and Chris over and over and over again, They've been playing together for a long time. Eight it's years, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah like it's like, yeah, this 13, yeah, exactly, yeah, eight years. It's like, just now we're going to that? <laughs> I mean, it took a while. Uh, it took True. a long time. And, and it's like the most indefensible pick and roll. I know Bud wants to get everybody involved. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's paying off. Uh, but uh, in the end, yeah, just... Just run that pick and roll, baby, and it works. And Yanis was playing facilitator a lot when he was getting the the ball. He just he just didn't have it in him uh, to to you know destroy everybody on the inside. So that's coming next game. We saw it in games two and three. That's coming uh, in in the future. But he had eight assists in this one out of that pick and roll. Like he was you know he was that LeBron uh, facilitator there uh, instead of the you know the Shaq or the Wilt Chamberlain dunking on guys in this one. But yeah, twenty six fourteen and eight. Yeah, whatever, man. Just put up 40 whatever, and then we'll man. talk about you. Just, <laughs> hey, yeah, whatever. And we won't show your block during regular season. <laughs> really still pisses me this. off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it's one of the most iconic plays in finals history, uh, especially if they win. I know right, it's, right. Uh, it'll probably go by the wayside if they lose. And it was, it was, uh, it was just, it's just an incredible feat of athleticism oh. to get from the elbow to the rim in a pirouette, step and a half. We always talk about Giannis' strides offensively. This was a moment where you could highlight it defensively. It was so, just so special. Wild, wild, wild. Yeah, that was great. Eric Dame on The Athletic put it perfectly. Blocking the alley and the oop, defending it both ways. And you did get to see that stride on a fast break as well. There was that steal, right, where Giannis had a fast break dunk, and he didn't take any dribbles from, like, a step outside of yeah. the three-point yeah. line and threw it down easily. You just love to see it. Great stuff. Was that the steal off the inbound? Uh, that might have been. Yeah, I think so. He kind of just hit. Yeah, yeah. That was a bad yeah. turnover. Yeah. That was a garbage one there. Um, just a couple things about the block, the insane block. I saw it going around Twitter. I think it is fun to think like, it feels like there's like three, four, maybe five guys in NBA history that could have made the play, Lee. Like, honestly. Like, like it's Giannis. It's probably Wilt. It's Akeem, maybe. Mm-hmm. Kareem. You know, maybe young, maybe young Shaq. I'm not even sure if young Shaq is making that play of like actually stopping Booker on, on the pick and roll and then getting back. But it is wild to think like in maybe like the most uh, a league that has the most athletic people in the pl- on the planet. <laughs> there's still only a handful of people that we could think of that could really truly pull that off. And mm-hmm. I don't even think that's that far fetched to say. Maybe, maybe LeBron is one too. Yeah, but it's wild. maybe a Kevin Garnett at his prime. Yeah, as Garnett, well. Garnett, yeah. good one. Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, and look at one, hold on. One problem with it, though, that I see people writing that sort of pissed me off because I don't think it's true. I kept seeing, like, Booker threw a pinpoint lob to Eaton. I actually disagree with that. I don't think it was <laughs> – I, I honestly don't think it was, like, a perfect pass. No, and I'm not wasn't. knocking Booker who had 42. It was too high, to be honest, and it was, like, too far back. It wasn't 
It wasn't perfect. Incredible play from Giannis, but not a. I think Giannis was going to block the snot. You're right. You're right. It was. It was behind him. I think Booker got a a little bit Cleveland Cavalier with the the pass. I mean, he kind of just tossed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But but Giannis was going to block it no matter where it was because he was there hanging out. He was chilling, having a Greek coffee up there, waiting for like. I don't know, two full seconds, just just literally just chilling there. Uh, and then, you know, Aiton obviously went tried to go through his hand. And uh, and then we had to wait, like, years. I think the, the first replays <laughs> oh, I saw of it, so the first replays I saw of it were on Twitter. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. They still haven't showed it on the broadcast. No, they still haven't. They showed it during Chris Middleton's post-game interview. That's the first time they showed the replay when half of the world... Turn the thing off. I mean, ninety percent of the world probably turned the thing off. Uh, Lee, sorry, I interrupted you there. What were you going to say? Well, just that um, Giannis said after the game, you know, he thought he was going to get dunked on because he has been dunked on a lot throughout his career. Jalen yeah. Brown's got him, Paul George, uh, Joel Embiid, like a lot of guys do. And that's the thing: when you are a great shot blocker and a great defender, most of the time, you know, you're going to get uh, dunked on quite a lot. And so, but Giannis also didn't sort of back out of it for any reason. He was like fully understanding that maybe he was ending going to end up on the wrong end of a poster in the finals that would be remembered you know maybe they tie the game and they go on to win it but I just love that mentality it's the same with him at the free throw lines that's not at the free throw line that's not his strength but he's not shown any weakness or any trying to avoid that situation I think that takes uh, a lot of courage because you know we know when he's at the line he's hearing it he's still there's guy they show the people in the in the stands in Milwaukee there you know there's a couple of guys trying to scream to get him off they're trying to um out shout him with the MVP chance there but going to Phoenix for game five it's going to be the entire arena at him at the free throw line and and again I just think mentally he's in a very very strong place right now which is uh which is great for the Bucks that he's not afraid of airballing at the free throw line on one end, and he's not afraid of being dunked on because no. it's going to happen. It's going to happen again to him. But in this situation, it worked in uh, in his and his team's favor. So uh, he deserves credit and respect for that. The story would be him leaving the floor two games in a row if they lost, though. Like if they if this went bad, we would be talking about Yanis like sitting down at the beginning of games, like three minutes into the game, where we thought <laughs> yeah. he was having a panic attack yeah. or a tinkle or whatever like he's doing. That's yeah. a tinkle. Yeah, you're little right. tinkle. Little uh, tinkle. The narratives change quickly here uh, <laughs> for, in these games from quarter to quarter, really. Uh, TK, anything else to add? Can we get one little uh, Dwayne nugget? Oh, who is absolutely. your uh, father in law who's a Bucks fan? Yeah. First and foremost, shout out to Blake Adams. Says he just picked up that no dunks by Bucks collab team. Nice. Big nice. night for the Bucks. Big man. night for Blake and a big morning for no dunks. You'll love to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. There it Beauty. is. Beauty. Does that shirt make you horny, baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dwayner in town uh, last night, got in just in time to watch uh, game four. Uh, the first thing he said that caught my eye or caught my ear, Devin Booker had that uh, like a one-handed lefty finish where he came around and yeah. like the, never touched the ball with his right hand. Great layup. Dwayne says, oh, that Devin Booker's a tough cookie. <laughs> I just, thought that, was good. I just thought that was a good line. I was like, respect to you. Uh, another one. You'll likely, I could not believe it when I heard him say this. Oh, boy. Somebody goes to the free throw line to shoot it. He said, <laughs> oh, boy. Hardest shot in the world right there. <laughs> 
I was like, oh my goodness. I can't believe my wife. Just a free throw. Just a free throw. He's like, look, you're standing there. Everybody expects you to make it. Everybody's watching. I was like. Guess there's some truth to it. You are Lee Ellis. Because then he also. Then the last thing that I knew I had to bring up with you, Lee. Mm. Dwayne gave me the entire rundown of every time the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> have played in the NBA Finals. So I want to give you some trivia here, Lee. Okay, okay. First Finals, the Bucks appeared in 1971. They won it. Yeah. Who'd they play? Celtics. No. They played, I, I believe, the Baltimore Bullets. Right. Yeah, they right, swept right. the Baltimore okay. Bullets. 1974, the Bucks make the NBA Finals oh. again. Who did they play? Oh, I was going to say they played the Suns, but that's... Uh, uh, no, uh, they lost. They lost They lost that one. That one. Lost Seven games. Not to so, the Lakers. Not to the Lakers. Here's the no. crazy thing. The Milwaukee Bucks were in the Western Conference at this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. St. Louis Hawks? Was that mm, the one? Good no. guess. Good guess. No, that was way earlier. That was earlier. So they lost to an Eastern Conference team is what you're, you're telling yeah, us, Yeah, right? an Eastern Conference yeah. team, and that's what threw me off. They're getting it in the stream team here. It was yeah, the was Celtics it? in 1974. Oh, I had the wrong one there, Lee. Yeah. Like, yeah, I should, and I your should. 70s mixed yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what Dwayne said. Oh, the yeah. bees and the bees, man. The bees and the bees. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I've been married now almost 14 years. No, wait, that's not true. Almost 13 years. Oh, whoops. Uh, JD, cut this out. I've been married only 13, almost 13 years, like I was saying. Uh, Dwayne is always talking to me about the Bucks. Of course, he brought up Brian Winters, but uh, it was pretty crazy to watch a finals game with him. But like Paul Rudd, uh, who would have yeah. thought? Who yeah. is he? Uh, like, is he excited? Like that they could pull this off, especially after tying it up two two here. Oh, definitely. He he told me that he likes to watch the basketball games the same way he likes to watch his football games. No surprise. If the Bucks are losing in the second half, he goes to bed. He goes to bed so that in the morning he can listen to the radio, them talking about what happened. Because either he goes to bed and it's like, okay, I knew they were going to lose. Or you wake up and you're feeling great in the morning. So right. Dwayne is walking on cloud nine right now. But, but hold on. Did he watch the whole game last night? Oh, yeah. We sat and watched the oh, whole game. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was great. Okay, it was great. Good. Okay, good. Has well, he has before. he forgiven the Bucks for trading away Al Cinder? Because that was the first time I spoke to him. He was can't believe Still I can't believe they traded Al Cinder. It all comes down to game five, six, and seven here. If he's gonna finally let that one slide, amazing. Well, I also uh, I watched the game with my buddy Grish last night, and I can I, I can uh, proudly say not once did he say the game was over. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's how you knew it was like actually the best game of the finals so far. There was not a single this one's over wow uh because probably because of the fight although i actually thought i think it was cam johnson hit like a little baseline jumper i think it was uh, uh like a baseline yeah you know, a timeout yeah. or something yeah like, it yeah, was yeah and i was like oh i just felt i was like oh man the suns are gonna win this game like uh i don't know what it was like cam johnson was just hitting big shots you're like oh yeah. boy i don't think the bucks are gonna pull this off so i was thinking it i didn't say it out loud but not once tasked did my buddy grish call it so that's how you knew mm. it was a classic. It was a. Man. It wasn't the one possession ending we were looking for, but yeah, it's the best game of the series so far, oh. for sure. For for sure, yeah. It, it felt like the Suns were gonna pull away yeah. in, early in the fourth quarter, even with them Booker on the bench. Yeah, when you got Camp Johnson, who's I don't think he's missed uh, in months. Uh, yeah, he just he just keeps hitting shots. I mean, to Chris Paul. To his, uh, I don't know, credit, I guess a lot of his shots were toilet bowl rimming out, touching a lot of rim, 
and then popping out. Uh, like if those were going down in the fourth quarter, it's a, it's a, obviously a, a way different game. But uh, they gave us a good one going down the stretch. Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, no doubt Drew Holiday coming through with the Kyle Lowry classic game last night there. <laughs> going, going four for 20. Four for 20. I was like caught by surprise when I saw that in the box score this morning. But he did play a, he did a, play a good game. Of course, what he was doing defensively and, mm-hmm. and uh, playing hard and timely buckets and stuff like that. Uh, but man, it's just like so funny to think of the Suns win. They're up 3-1. We're probably saying it's over. We're like burying Drew Holiday. Like it's just like it, it just... It goes back and forth very, very quickly. Yeah. But we got a game five Saturday night. Like I said, on tomorrow's drop podcast, we'll uh, we'll uh, start talking about things to watch for in that game, make our player props, and all that good stuff. Make our predictions ultimately just, in the end. Sorry, yep. just one more thing quickly. I've got to address Devin Booker's pregame fit. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think yes. I think in the last game he was like the uh, high school teenager. Mm-hmm. I think game four he was like the teacher. I think he came in <laughs> dressing dressed like the uh, dressed so, like the. Uh, was he dressed time? like a dork then? I, I, I no, actually need no, to see what he wore. Can you yeah, get it, photos next time you bring this up here for this? Yeah, game yeah. Too? He had he had just had like a like a suit and tie on and stuff. Classic. And, uh, oh, okay. But he, uh, I'm just Classic trying to think. Not, not science, geography. Yeah, I don't know. Maths, maybe maths teacher. So I think he was playing it safe. We can't wait to see what Game Five is going to bring out for us, though. <laughs> look, I mean, look at the Dan Flash's shirt you have on right now. Uh, that complicated pattern yeah pretty nice it's, it's, it is pr- pretty nice i'm telling you man it is sweltering here in uh copenhagen this is yeah. unseasonably hot yeah it's like 30 degrees celsius which is what like about 80 degrees fahrenheit they uh yeah don't expect it there's no air conditioning in the hotel i'm staying in as well and so Whoa. uh yeah i know well they they barely use it so uh yeah it was a bit of a sticky old night last night but you know are you going to be going to uh sweden is that still happening nah, nah, we, we're going to uh we're going to legoland tomorrow so uh oh, we have to adjust the, adjust the plans a little bit there so we're out to uh legoland in the has morning has ben Gulliver put in like an order for, for you <laughs> no he hasn't grab me he this hasn't piece grab me but, this uh, no yeah no. so so for tomorrow's show tomorrow morning show i'll be live from legoland See if I can get someone to come and join us, maybe, and talk to us about stuff. I don't know. Mr. Lego Man. <laughs> Hold on. You're actually going to be at Legoland while you're doing the podcast tomorrow? Well, our hotel is in Legoland. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hotel's made of Lego. Well, you know, That'd it looks cool. like that. Build anyway, your own yeah. room? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Uh, let's take uh, our first break here, and then we'll get to a little Is This News. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. All right, back with no dunks. One of my favorite things now doing these shows is reading the stream team comments during ad breaks. I don't know why this one made me laugh from Juju32. 
I've never bought anything advertised to me. <laughs> You're missing out, Juju. You're missing out, man. Juju, you just give us time. We're going to yeah, get you. Yeah. You'll be eating some magic spoon before you know it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, hilarious stuff. Uh, stream team, incredible. Incredible work. All right, JD, let's get to a little Is This News. Yeah, a little is this news, a few headlines for you guys and for the stream team, and you guys can tell me whether or not it's actually newsworthy. First one coming from ESPN, a little website I uh, I actually bookmarked. Team USA's Bradley Beal enters health and safety protocols, sources say. Uh, TK, is this news? I think this is potentially pretty big news, actually. It's supposed to be a little bit more clarity today. First and foremost, let's hope Beal is healthy. I think that that will likely be the case, but we'll hear more a little bit today, I suppose. But it apparently there's a chance that Bradley Beal might not even be able to play in Tokyo and that Team USA is going to have to replace him uh, depending on how the protocols work out and exactly uh, what his scenario is here, which means that you know, the, they could bring somebody up from maybe the select team. Maybe they could grab somebody else who's been in the system, but it would mean... Team USA is losing a 30-point-per-game in the NBA. Scorer, a good shooter, a guy who's a solid enough defender. At least he's going to try out there. And he's Bradley Beal's also started all of Team USA's games so far. So mm-hmm. even if he is just out for a couple of weeks here before they actually go to Tokyo and play in the Olympics, this is Team USA losing a chance to build the chemistry that they don't have yet. And that's just uh, putting them behind the eight ball a little bit here. And I don't know. I'm just... I'm just feeling worried about this Team USA team. I don't know, man. It just seems to be like they keep running into roadblocks here and there. The only potential silver lining, I suppose, is that if they do replace Beal, they could maybe grab a different, another big guy. I know Julius Randle is somebody that Team USA mm-hmm. has been interested in. But I'm personally hoping it's still going to be Beal, depending on how all this works out. This was going to be his first Olympic Games. I think he could have been a breakout star. Uh you know, just going out there scoring and helping alongside Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. But we'll see what actually ends up happening. But never good to be a week out from the Olympics and you might be having to completely revamp your starting lineup. Yeah, these Olympics, they're going to be weirdly. I don't think there's going to be any spectators. Uh, you know, hopefully they still even go. They happen and occurs and they actually do these games. But uh, is this news with the Beal part? Uh, we will learn more, like Trey said, but... If he can't go, you know, who would you replace him with if you're Team USA? Well, uh, good question. I mean, I guess um, a guy who's sort of similar or equivalent is uh, CJ McCollum uh, in terms of a guy who can go out and score. But I, I don't know if he turned down an invitation or not. I think he did in the past. Um, but you would be, you would guess someone like him is available. I, I just wonder, though, how this now affects anyone who Beal has been around and potentially been on the court with, you know, because they played three games there against Australia, Nigeria and Argentina in pretty quick succession. So uh, exactly when Beal um, was around somebody, I'm guessing, who has coronavirus, what does that uh, mean as far as uh, implicating everybody else who, who, you know, shared the court with him or a bus ride with him um, or, uh, you know, any sort of contact with him, you know, being in in sort of a a closed door environment? Because I would guess Beal has been vaccinated too at this point. Uh, I, I think pretty much everyone who is in the NBA has been. So uh, I just I wonder if that does limit how much the other people then have to be concerned themselves as to whether or not they've been uh, possibly exposed to the virus, if that's what Beal has. Because I don't think it's even been 
confirmed that he no. has the virus yet. So no, he's in these health and safety protocols. So yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, they promoted the Americans did Garland, Sadiq Bay, and then Keldon Johnson um, off the select team to fill in in these exhibition games for the three guys in the finals that are going to be on this team: Drew Holiday, Devin Booker, and Chris Middleton. So it's possible maybe one of those guys again. If Beal can't play on this team, Taz. Maybe they go to one of those guys. Maybe, like Trey said, they're like, hey, this is a, an opportunity to get another big because Love's not really playing. And, and do we have enough with Bam and Green? We'll see here. But I guess in the end, we're hoping Beal's just, just on this squad. But anything to add to yeah. this? Yeah, if Beal can't go, I, I expect them to bring one of those call-ups. I, I think it, it would be a little bit nuts to bring somebody when you're already struggling in the chemistry department you know, off the uh, uh, off in the off season, from the off season, you know, off the the the, ch- the couch. Really, I mean, I understand if it's maybe somebody uh, you know playing right now or just played in the conference finals. If if Trey Young wants to come, uh, but I, I would just roll with whoever is there and from the select team as mm-hmm. being you know a backup backup and uh, try and go with the guys you got. I, I wouldn't mess with this chemistry already. Bringing you know Booker, Middleton, and Holiday is. Um, a little bit of a, a chemistry question, but those guys will be feeling it and feeling good. So, yeah, this it's, is definitely a hit. But uh, I, I think you, you roll with the guys that you got. This mm-hmm. tournament is starting in eight days, uh, so uh, <laughs> you know they they, they got to be. I, I would I would just think it's kind of strange to bring somebody mm-hmm. from from the couch. Yeah, hopefully Tatum's right knee is not like that big a deal, he's back in the starting lineup. And then maybe Zach Levine, who filled in for Tatum, takes like a Beal sort of starting position and you're okay with him uh, as your starting two guard. But we'll see and I'm sure we'll get more news on Bradley Beal a little bit later today, like TK said. Final headline for you guys, only two today. CBS Sports, let's go there. Wizards coaching update. Wes Unsell Jr., Darvin Ham and that giant head. Oh my God, I want to know his hat <laughs> size. I really want to know his hat <laughs> size. And then Charles Lee among finalists. For the position. Tass, is this news? Always good news when guys or ladies, when is that going to friggin' happen, uh, have not, who have not had a, uh, a previous head coaching position are up for the jobs. And guys who have right. put in their work, like Wes Ensel Jr., 16 years as an assistant, Darvin Ham, 13 you know, since he was a player, uh, and, and nine for Charles Lee. Those guys have been on benches for a very long time, so Wes Unseld isn't getting the uh, the dad bump just because his dad was a champ and, and an MVP. Darvin Ham, uh, you know, he would be my favorite to win it because not only I'm sure is he a good coach, he's been uh, you know a, a players coach, labeled as a players coach for a long time, working with uh, you know Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton on the Bucks bench and and getting them better. But also he's really great at breaking up fights. If you remember from oh, yeah. last year. At the bubble, uh, got a photo of him here getting in between Marvin Williams and uh, who's that? What's his name? I, uh, I always forget the, the Grizzlies. Magic player's name. No, oh, it's Magic. 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 James uh, Ennis. James, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The third. And Darwin took a spill. I mean, it's like he stepped on a ham and took a spill. But uh, <laughs> I, I believe, you know, one of those him or Wes Unseld, I, I would assume would get the job. Yeah. And uh, and congratulations to those guys. You put in the work. It, it's sort of like. A, you know, Steven Silas situation with uh, the Houston Rockets. They are playing ridiculously hard for Steven Silas in Houston. And if you like your guy, you like your coach, again, these guys you know, have been basketball lifers. Uh, I, I assume that, you know, one of these guys will get their job and 
the Wizards should be playing hard for him. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be right, Unsell Jr. or Ham. Willie Green is like, I don't know, just has to sign on the dotted line, it sounds like, in New Orleans, so he'll have the Pelicans job. But what do you make of this, Lele? Yeah, well, Darvin Ham, I just always associate him with Budenholzer. We saw him down here in Atlanta, and he obviously yeah. moved to Milwaukee with Budenholzer. So, uh, you know, that'll be a bit of a blow to Budenholzer to lose someone who he obviously trusts and relies on to, uh, to help him. But you've got to hope that uh, Darvin, who's put in a lot of time and has a great reputation around the league... Uh, Gets a chance, but um, you know all of these guys have kind of uh, you know paid their dues and they're ready for that coaching opportunity. So you know for the two that miss out, uh, they're going to be bummed, of course. But um, you know for the one who does get it, it's going to be pretty exciting because they've been waiting for this opportunity and uh, and good luck to all of them. So uh, I'm just happy to uh, have Darvin Ham. I think that'd be great. He's got he's got a great name. We'll have a lot of fun talking about him if he does become a, a full time head coach. Yeah, Jose Calderon's going to come out of retirement. <laughs> want to play for him? Yeah, you're seeing uh, some Jose Calderon's in the stream team, and I love this from Sam Unono. <laughs> Yeah. Willie Green Eggs and Darvin Ham. Oh my God! Wow, that'd be a great matchup, Pelicans yeah. Wizards. If Ham gets the job and Green gets the job, I guess is that going to be the fun? Would that be it? Can somebody remind me? Like, I think that's the last one. Pelicans and the Wizards are the are the last two yeah. that have officially not been filled. Um, it is maybe well, it's not, it's definitely disappointing that it, it's looking like we're not going to have a, a female NBA head coach which we thought was like we were going to bet on that I remember at the start of uh, all those coaching vacancies Lee like we're like yeah one maybe two yeah and we're going to be uh, looking at a no for here again which that that's very disappointing um but yeah like uh like Tass said Ham I don't know much about Charles Lee I'll, I'll be honest but yeah Ham and, and until Jr. I mean We've ta- we've talked about them before over the last decade because they're just uh, they're basketball lifers and they come up and they break up fights and stuff like that sometimes. So I'm very excited for one of them to get probably this job again. TK, anything to add to this uh, headline? Well, I thought it was interesting, Tass, that you brought up Stephen Silas because that's what this reminds me of as well. A longtime assistant going to be getting uh, a first job, likely coaching some superstars. With Stephen Silas, it was James Harden, and the question even then was. Is James Harden going to be traded? Obviously, he was very soon after. So I'm kind of yeah. wondering, does this mean that the Wizards are looking to a future when they're not going to have Bradley Beal there uh, quite soon? You know, you don't often bring in a first-time coach for superstars. And I think that that's what the Wizards, I mean, you know, Beal and Westbrook are not the top of the pops in the NBA right now. But those guys are both all-NBA, all-star caliber players. Are they in a stage of their career where they want to be playing for an assistant getting his first job coaching in the NBA? That's not usually the case. So I wonder if this means that Beal is even more so on the market right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it does, for sure. I'm in that boat. Uh, I think it's uh, time to develop the players in Washington, get get down to the young guns, because it's it seems inevitable, especially when, you know, Westbrook, you know, hits his, uh, you know, the, the other side of his career. It's got to be. It's got to be ham time or, uh, you know, or West Huntsville Jr. time. I got to be honest. I am. I am cheering against Charles Lee. No offense to Charles Lee. <laughs> Seems like a good guy. Yeah. Uh, he's played for a long t- played uh, internationally for a long time. He's been with Bud for a long time back to his Atlanta days. But he's younger than me. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I like when guys are at least a little bit older than me. He's uh, 36. So a uh, young guy would, uh, would be taking the reins there in, uh, in Milwaukee. Every time somebody says Wes Unsell Jr., TK, I don't know about you, but I think of Al Unser Jr. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, for me, I do think of Wes Unseld Sr. first, but... <laughs> not me! Not me! I'm big gear. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching F1 now. We got yeah. this Fast and Furious podcast coming yeah. up. This guy can't yeah. stop thinking about racing. Uh, the Wes Unseld fact I'll always know, as long as we're talking yeah. about dumb stuff, I don't know if yeah. this is true, but my dad and my high school basketball coach both told me that Wes Unseld's practice drill was he would throw the ball off the glass to himself. I mean, he's famous as an okay. offensive rebounder, right? Yep. Mm. And he's famous as an outlet passer. So he'd throw the yep. ball off the glass to himself, catch it, and in midair, turn and whip an outlet pass to hit the other glass. Like a 94-foot overhead off-the-glass outlet pass. I don't know if this is humanly possible, but... That's the second thing I think of when I hear the name Wes Unsell Jr. <laughs> Somebody let me know if it's true. Wow. Uh, hopefully there's some yeah. footage. We'll get some of that uh, on the show. All right. We got to take one more break. We do have Tweet of the Night, but let's see if we can really sell Juju32 something here. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, back with no dunks. Uh, JD, jump on the stream here for a second. Couple things. Mm-hmm. One, that jersey you got on, I should have addressed. Look at this guy. He's rocking a Chris Middleton <laughs> Bucks jersey. Biggest Bucks fan we know. I love sports, and I don't care who knows it. That's right. That's right. And, 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 JD, I think we already did it. Juju32 says, hmm, I'm digging the background music. Can't lie. You may have yourself a customer. Wow. I think it was during the Indochino ad read, nice. so maybe he's getting himself some pants. So, oh, uh, nice pants, a nice, nice suit for from three ninety nine. Come on, Juju, get in there. Yeah, yeah. All right, great stuff. Let's uh, start wrapping this bad boy up with a little tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. Uh. 
tweet of the night. A plethora of great tweets last night. Some great WNBA content. Candace Parker becoming the first woman to be on the cover of NBA 2K alongside Luca and Dirk. Very cool. There was also a wedgie in the WNBA All-Star game last night. People kept tweeting to us. Awesome. Unfortunately, does not count to the total. Been a while for a wedgie, though, I'll mm. say, guys. However, our tweet of the night comes from Josh Eberly, who asks for the best play of the playoffs this year. We talked about Giannis's block, obviously. That's going to be my number one. Spoiler alert. But he lists a few different choices here. Giannis's block, Aiton's inbound alley-oop winner, Kawhi Leonard's strip and poster on Maxi Kleba, Cam Johnson dunking on P.J. Tucker, Trey Young, game winner and shushing MSG, Kevin Durant hitting the tying shot with his big-ass foot. Let me ask y'all what your top threes Mm. would be. I'm going Giannis block, Aiton inbounds winner. Yeah. And then I'm going Trey shushing the crowd in his first playoff game. Yeah. Maybe that's a homer pick there, but that's my personal power rankings. It's hard really to make a case outside of those three. I I definitely have the Trey Young one in there. I mean, your first game in Madison Square Garden, your playoff game, you hit a game winner after the crowd was just like swearing at you earlier in the game. I mean, that's massive. Uh, Aiton Aiton getting a game winner from the corner there or, or, you know, from the inbounds and then... Yeah, Giannis' block. I, I, I mean, Durant's, you know, his foot was on the line. You know, if, he, if his foot's not on the line, they <laughs> may, maybe, you know, yep. they win that yep. series. And uh, and the block and, the, and then the dunk on Kleber was nice. But I don't think you can really put it ahead of those, uh, those other three. Tass, what do you think? Giannis, number one, no doubt. Eight and number two, I think. Yeah, that's a pretty memorable alley-oop. And, uh, yeah, Trey Young, I think, would be number three. Yeah, definitely... I think that one, though, will be the most widely played, even more so than the Yanis because we didn't see it. Uh, and mm. I think I think the Trey one, because it's MSG, will be the one we see the most, even despite it being you know first-round game. Uh, uh, and, yeah, the uh, Aiton and Yanis having more impact because they're later in the in the playoffs. Uh, but I, I would say Yanis by far number one, but you gotta got to have Trey and Aiton up there. And I'll, I'll correct... Josh Eberly saying uh, KD with his big ass foot. KD with his big ass shoe mm. because mm. he wears monstrous mm. shoes, and that's why his foot was on the line. It was a shoe problem, not a body problem. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, well, uh, my answer is for JD. I think it's got to be uh, Chris Middleton's overtime uh, game winner uh, against the Heat in Game One. Really set the tone for the Bucks mm-hmm. and for Middleton. JD it got that Ferris wheel started up. Uh, and then here we go. We've been enjoying the ride ever since. So, uh, no, I think you guys. I think you guys had the right the, the right three. I'm not sure if I agree with the order. It, it, it sort of depends. I think uh, ultimately what happens here in the finals, whether whether the Aiton lob. I know it didn't happen in this series, but getting them there I'm sure would helped. Or is it that Giannis block? Hmm. It's tough. It's tough. Also, people are saying, just to correct you, Tass, he does have big-ass feet, though, too, even though his shoes are bigger. <laughs> I don't think they're that big. Oh, I don't think on. they're that big. For, oh. for a 7-footer to have a size 17 foot? <laughs> Come on. He's yeah, 7 guess, feet tall. Yeah, Sha- it's Sha- that way. Shaq's got him by 4. Uh, he wears, uh, LeBron wears, uh, what, an 18? He's small, shorter. Hey, Tass, come on. You, you, know, you know that just because you're tall doesn't mean you have big feet. How dare you, Lee? Oh, you got to do come that. On, man. Come on, man. man. You know, oh, man. 
How dare you? Has uh, uh, Dwayne ever cracked you like that? Has Dwayne ever said <laughs> No, Dwayne can wear my shoes, man. I'll say it. I'm six inches taller than my father-in-law, and he still wears my shoes. I do be like that sometimes. Uh, all right, guys. We will be back tomorrow. we got a Friday podcast, of course, the Drop Podcast. So uh, join us then. 10 a.m. Eastern, live on YouTube. Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube so you know when we're going live. Uh, we'll, of course, set up Game 5 on Saturday night. Tass, you said it. I mean, we're either going to be back on late Saturday night, post-game, or Sunday morning. We will uh, we'll try and do a quick turnaround for a Game 5 recap podcast, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Join us for happy hour tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, live here on YouTube when we just kick it. And then tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, Got the drop podcast. Subscribe to No Dunks. Go to theathletic.com slash No Dunks. Get your No Dunks merch. Like our guy Blake, who's rolling around in money like Scrooge McDuck now, uh, just swimming in those coins, hitting that No Dunks parlay. Go to NoDunks.com for that gear. And yeah, we will see you guys later tonight. And if not tonight, tomorrow morning. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And yeah, I want to go back to Blake. Cheers to you for winning that <laughs> parlay that was con- constructed by No Dunks yesterday. Thank you so much for buying your gear. I really, really appreciate that. Just like this guy has, Lamar Hurd. You yeah, know, you're nice. you're rolling in that dough. Congrats to you, man. Congrats to you. Enjoy it. Sip. Enjoy life, dude. Enjoy it. Embrace the day, people. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.